Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, if, you're, uh, if you've been listening and some of this content has been helpful to you, we'd appreciate it if you like, subscribe on YouTube, or make a comment or whatever. That all helps with the algorithm to get the word out about this podcast. Or on give us a rating on your favorite podcast service. That also helps us out. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, something we did a little bit different this past Sunday, which is we did Partner Sunday. And we're going to make a case for why this subject of church partnerships in the city, caring for the needy, caring for the poor, all these sorts of things, was is actually one of the most important things that we've talked about in a while here. And we're going to make a case for that in this episode. And so I'm not going to give you any more than that. You're going to have to listen to the rest of this. Without any further ado, let's dive right in. Yeah. But it's got no paint. <laughs> Hold on. We're having a conversation. We'll get back to you guys in a minute. Hi. Wait, yeah, so yeah. There we no, go. we're <laughs> we're talking about um, citation and four different That's Oxford formats. That's how academic we are. We know our stuff. Hey, so when we, well, yeah, when we talked about this podcast, we we said, hey, we we have these conversations all the time. We might as well just turn on the camera and let you watch in. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's actually what happens. Like, we're in the middle of a conversation, and I'm like, oh yeah, we're supposed to be live right now. Um, and in theory, we are live. In theory, I'll check just to be in on the theory, safe side. In theory, communism works. In theory. You could say, yeah. <laughs> Are we live? We're live and such and things. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the least professionally run podcast this side of the Mississippi. No, I think it's professionally we... run. Just the host. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> the equipment's really good. Yeah. We have all the right gear to, gear to be professional. <laughs> and then there's us. Yes, we are the problem. We are the weakest link. Yeah. What was uh, that song quote you gave me to quote the other day? Taylor Swift. Yeah. Antihero. Yeah. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that, the lyrics of that song. Yeah. I actually so, quoted it without listening to it. And then I listened to it the other day. It's I was a like, good song. Oh, yeah. It's a good I feel song. like I would have said it differently if I'd have heard it before, like the I, cadence and everything. I, I'm the problem. Yeah, there you go. Tea if you never thought you'd hear Aaron sing Taylor Swift, um, there we go. <laughs> All, right, All right, so we should probably start doing a podcast now. <laughs> um, welcome. So this week we actually had a different situation. So this podcast, if you're new-ish to this podcast, you may not know this. Uh, you you probably picked up on it relatively quickly. We actually talk each week on our episode about the subject matter that uh, Alex or whoever preached mm. uh, spoke about the previous Sunday prior to mm. this episode. So, uh, and then this week is a little different because we didn't have a, well, you shared I, a little I, bit I, from the I, scriptures. I talked for like 15 minutes maybe. But it wasn't a traditional service. Yeah. We actually had partner Sunday. And so that means, um, you know, we had just very little music. We just sort of set up the service a little mm -hmm. bit. Then you shared some vision stuff about why are we doing uh, this service this way. And then we invited a bunch of local ministry partners that our church uh, connects with and partners with in the city to alleviate poverty, to care for people, to deal with uh, um, diff all sorts of yeah, different it's, situations. I mean, primarily around homelessness, uh, around poverty, around learning. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's, so there were five different partners on stage. And, and that was fun, just, I mean, partly because... Um, um, 
hearing them is that not close enough anyway, that was right? just yeah uh hear, hearing i ran into one of them the other day uh in the the strip mall that we own uh, and he was saying like i've been doing this for like seven years countless times i've been to churches on sunday no one has ever not done their traditional sunday morning to give a space to talk like so that was really encouraging and even just listening to them here like common struggles because these five people run some pretty cool ministries and yeah yet, those are deeply rewarding and deeply frustrating yeah um, and, and maybe maybe if you're oh, just a member of south and you attended you can give us some different feedback but one of the big woods was i think our partners were really encouraged so maybe mm -hmm. the whole service was just absolutely to honor I, and them. i already asked everyone anyway yeah. no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah so so know that if you come and complain to me you're one of like the people that complain to this this hundreds that said it was amazing yeah come complain anyway i don't mind complaints i like complaints um so but it was joyful and and hearing like so actually the the my like connecting thought for these different partners was really around the idea of compassion uh so we read the the passage where jesus feeds five thousand people um something that that some of these partners do without miraculous giftings that jesus has like they they feed lots of people they teach and educate lots of people. Yeah, that was like a common thread through all of them. Yeah, was food, food was, was like common. Yeah, every one of them engages folks with food, and even if they weren't trying to get rid of hunger, they still met around tables and ate together, and that was like and and very New Testament church. As yeah, we'll get to in, in a it's few all minutes. about relationship, and yeah. food is part of relationship. Yep. Yeah, I, I, and and with us both being overseas, we've seen that as well. I, I was in Haiti when I was in Haiti last. One of the ladies, who sadly passed away right after we we left, she cooked for three hundred of us over a coal fire, like That's... middle of the courtyard, like cooking That's this crazy. feast over a coal fire, and and so at one point that said, when do you want to do lunch in the planning? I'd say oh, about 12 would be great. And they're like, she's going to start cooking at six in the morning and she still won't be done at 12. Um, because that's how long it takes to cook for 300 people over just coals in the courtyard. Um, so, I mean, fascinating, like just that hospitality element to it. But we talked about compassion. This it's got a root in a Greek word, um, spagliknon. I, th I think if I remember rightly, like the the declension of it would be spagliknomi for um, to have compassion. But but the word we would translate like heart isn't heart for a Greek person or an Aramaic person or a, you know, it just doesn't translate the same way. So they thought emotions lived in the gut. In actual fact, like you could really push it to the point of like for for women it's in the womb uh, and for men it's in the bowels like i mean it really like extends to those ex like that that feeling of i really have to go to the bathroom is probably as close as you get to the understanding of the feeling of having compassion and yeah. so the illustration i used was like imagine someone puts a hook through your belly button and like tugs on it um yeah that like that that gives you that sense of what it is to feel compassion um, yet of course, like, it's not just a feeling, it's an action. I mean, same with love. Like we talk about love as a weak emotion and love's a strong action. Um, totally. so, so that, that's what we saw with Jesus. And then that's what all five of these ministry leaders do. So let me ask you this. Um, I think you shared a little bit about this on Sunday, but 
why do we partner with these outside organizations and rather than just start more ministries internally to the church? You know, like the commissioning is, mm. you know, for the church to participate in yeah. all of this and engage and help the poor and the needy and all of those mm. sorts of things. So are we like sloughing off our duty as a church by partnering with these other organizations? Yeah, yeah I... I... So, so maybe I, my thinking on that is that one of the weaknesses of the modern day church is like, so when the New Testament church talks about the church was doing those things, well, like that, that wasn't about which local church you attended. It was Christians were doing those things and it didn't necessarily matter where they, they, which, which house church they met with, or it was worldwide totally. church. So, so actually of the five partners we had on stage, um, three of them come to South. Like the leaders. Uh, as and, like, yeah, yeah, the, some the, the leader, yeah, yeah, the leader or the founder comes to South. Um, and yet not necessarily when they started it. Um, and then a couple, yeah, the, the other two who don't. So I, I don't know that I think it's important or they're more valuable because I don't think the ones that the person comes to South are more valuable. They're all part of this global church. Yeah, so it's not about like, if it's not, you know, it doesn't have our church's logo on it. That's the thing, right? Therefore, it's not us. That's not how church works. No, No, it's not how it should work. It probably is how it does work at times. Yeah, it does work that way sometimes, but that's not what, when when God gives the commission to the church, it's not like... Mm. South Fellowship Absolutely, Church yeah. you have to in Littleton, Colorado, things. go and to yeah. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's no, it's like my people. Yes. And all of these partners are part of that umbrella. And, yeah. And I I mean I and if it worked like that, I I literally know some churches that have no poverty. I mean, like if it was just about them looking after their immediate demographic area, um, like the 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 absolute local circle around the church however far that extends and the people that come to the church, I mean, like they're in like Bel Air, California and stuff like they, they don't have poverty in the same way. Now they have a ton of relational poverty, ton of spiritual poverty, but they're not dealing with like someone in the church community who doesn't have enough to eat. Everybody has enough to eat. They're not dealing with someone in the town necessarily. Everyone has Mm. enough to eat. Uh, And so that just means they're a great church, man. They're just doing their job so well. So, so, <laughs> Slash so, chose a great neighborhood. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, they, I mean, their, their job is to support organizations and people doing that work all over the place. And you see some of that in the, um, in the New Testament, even. There's churches that are affluent and they send gifts to other churches who aren't affluent. Um, there's mm-hmm. a care across borders that, that aren't defined by a local church. So, I, th- I think we, I love it when you can partner with someone who's doing something valuable, like 24 seven, 365 days a year. Yeah. Um, we, we like, yeah, I, the number of times I've, I've seen, and you've, you've seen this, I'm sure. Um, churches go on mission and bring like a sense of, I'm going to fix Haiti. I'm coming to fix Detroit. Like I'm coming to, uh, and and you're like no you're not gonna go fix anything like if you do it well you'll get to help for a week an organization that's doing this stuff day after day uh, and and that was something that for me was super important taking teams to to some 
um, underprivileged areas. And and actually just hearing from the people that led the ministries, oh, we are so glad when you guys come because you actually get, you understand it. You yeah. understand that like in a week you can do nothing. In yeah, like week, you go you go to another country or to serve in a local ministry and you individually, you know, you may move the needle a little bit, mm -hmm. but one of the big things that's being transformed is you. Yes. Not even totally, the people yeah. you're serving. It's you that's being transformed. And, and, and you, and, and, and unless you're working with an organization, how do you even know what's helpful? This one story that really stuck with me around like misguided compassion. When we were working in Detroit, um, we were, we had a team there and we always went and said, we're just here to help you guys do what you do every, every week of the year. What can we get involved in that will help you nudge a project forward? Uh, and I, the, the one year we were down there, the lady that ran everything for this organization, Lisa, she, she said to me, you know, the other week we had a church down here, um, and they wanted to walk the streets offering services you know just saying what can we do and and so they went walking mowing lawns and stuff and she said it wasn't any harm in that you know it's a it's a lawn but then they started unbeknown to her started offering to do bigger projects um and a guy came out of his building and said oh i really need a roof on my building and and this ministry leader was like yeah we're gonna put a roof on your building this is gonna be amazing you can't have a leaking roof we're gonna take care of you we're gonna make sure this uh, and she, he went back and told Lisa about this new project. And Lisa looked at him and said, that guy's a loan shark. He's a cancer in this neighborhood. We've been trying to get him out of that building for years. And, and a leaking roof maybe was one step closer to him actually leaving. And now he's going to have a new roof in his building and it will be here for perhaps forever. And it's your fault. I mean, she was brutal in her response, but yeah. you, ju you just see what happens with misguided compassion that has no knowledge of the situation just wanders in saying i'm the usually the rich white person who's here to save the day um yeah. that gets pretty ugly yeah so one of the joys and one of the reasons why south strategy for lack of a better word has been not to just spin up a dozen more ministries like internally well there's a couple reasons mm -hmm. one one of the risks a church can run, and we actually flirt with this, like, curtain back yeah. staff world running, partnering with a church. Um, one of the risks is that a staff tries to be the church mm -hmm. rather than the church being the Absolutely, church. Absolutely, yeah. And so one of the joys of partnering with these other organizations is they're part of the God's global church, and that they're knocking it out of the par park in these different areas— and if we were to do it, it would be a dozen different ministries done really, really poorly Absolutely. because we just don't have the bandwidth as a staff to do that, plus the things that we we are responsible for and on and on and on and on. Or our staff would just have to get astronomically large. And some churches can do that sort of thing, and they start to almost envelop the third-party organizations into their... But for our... We just say, why would we reinvent the wheel when some other organizations just knocking it out of the part and, and they really are, they're struggling in different ways. They could use the partnership on and on and on. Let's just go raise their arms, partner totally. with them, encourage them and, and that, actually and that make it true. Like on, on not just like on how we serve, but if you're a part of South and you not connected to a small group of some kind, like that small groups are our primary strategy for how people grow, for how people receive pastoral care. 
you know, I, I have stepped into situations when a small group's been absent. I know other pastors on staff have done that. When was it? Like a while back, I went over and someone, I knew someone needed their driveway shoveled, so I just went over and shoveled the driveway for them. But ideally, like, that's a small group thing because I can't shovel everyone's driveway. And What? Eight staff I thought that's what can't. a pastor's supposed to do. <laughs> So so it's really like every time... He actually might want to do that. <laughs> that might actually be fun actually for really Alex. Fun, yeah. um, every time someone gets sick or every time someone has a, a death in the family or every time someone loses a job, like ideally I'm like, tell me they have a thriving small group. And I was actually chatting with someone in the church the other day that said like they'd been through a hard time. And they said, I would not have got through it without this community. And what she meant was a small group. Yeah, and she was like, "So I'm, I'm like sold. I'm in on the, on this community because like this got me through the worst season." Yeah. Um. So that that That's like thing. that that is true of how we do serving, how we do formation, how we do pastoral care. All of them require a thriving small group. Yeah. So okay. So that's a little bit more of the narrow focus of what took mm-hmm. place Sunday and why some strategy <laughs> around why South wants to partner with this, but like theologically and on the scope of God's plan in the world and him advancing his church, like this was a big deal Mm. for us to talk about our partners that we can like historically, um, if you evaluate how God moves in the world, um, he does it through his heart of compassion for those in need. Mm. Um, and so like maybe talk a little bit about that, like some of the history of church history, like, the early church was like persecuted. Everyone thought they were weird. They were culturally strange. They were breaking all these rules mm. culturally, and yet it grew exponentially. Yeah, I mean, even like statistically, the estimate is in about a hundred AD, the church is about twenty thousand people, and by two fifty AD, it's pushing like twenty million people. Like the growth trajectory is just not so much so astronomical. That, so much so that like there's there's these conversations around like 250 AD. Like what happens when the whole world's Christian? Like what do we even do? Yeah. Like the the evangelistic ever's just end. Like, we're almost done. Yeah, we're yeah yeah yeah. Great commission yeah, check. Yeah, exactly. Like it's <laughs> no more. We're not doing any more movie nights anymore. Like what yeah. happens? So um, so there is this this in- incredible growth, and, and there is this way of living like this praxis that seems to have its roots in jesus i mean if you think of of jesus first announcement of what gospel means uh you know and and this is something that john the baptist raises with him he says in luke spirit of the lord is upon me because i've come to preach good news to the poor um when john the baptist asks him about um are you the one we're expecting? He says, well, go tell John what you've seen, the, the blind see, the lame walk, the poor have the good news preached to them. And, and the category of poor in New Testament thinking is obviously it's just a broad category. Women were actually included in the, 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 the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, the blind, were the, the deaf, the, anyone who was underprivileged, anyone who begged, anyone on the margins, essentially. Yeah. So Jesus specifically comes and says, the, 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 the margin people, are having the good news preached to them. Um, and, and then he demonstrates this real practical compassion for them that we talked about earlier. So it was pretty natural, I, I would guess, for the early church to say, we're going to do that. But it was very countercultural for the time 
because nobody was doing that. Yeah, it's actually more common today in Western society, especially, but even globally, not not even non-Western society, it is more common to have infrastructure to care for the poor and those sorts of things, and to pri- prioritize that even outside of church infrastructure. But but, also- but that idea is deeply rooted. The fact that the general society care, tr- you know, tries to care for the poor. Sociologists and historians, some of the world-renowned sociologists and historians, trace that idea all the way back to a Judeo-Christian thought. I mean, this is the stunning thing about the the Christian journey in the world. And you, I think, as as a follower of Jesus, you you start to see Christians take some flack sometimes because they deserve it. Yeah. Sometimes because we've not operated very well. Sometimes churches have been really unhealthy. Sometimes. Uh, the abuse of money, the abuse of power, the abuse of like the 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 way women have been treated in church. There's so many things that you could go after. The Crusades, the you yeah, know, like a I ton mean, of you go things. Back to history, yeah. yeah, the Crusades, all those different things. Um, and yet there is also, you look at society, almost nothing that's good in the world doesn't come from a Christian background. I mean, music developed primarily through Christian artists that were writing, uh, you know, symphonies that were centered around their faith. I mean, that, so Mozart, Beethoven, all of these guys you hear about, those are all primarily driven by Christendom. Um, so for all the negative, you have stuff like that that's developed into all the music we have today that really is founded in that thing. You go to, you drive down Broadway, Littleton Adventist Hospital. First hospitals, all started by Christians. The first schools, all started by Christians. There was no public education until Christians started Sunday schools, which originally were designed to actually give practical education um, around math, English, yeah. different. So, so the, there is definitely, we've got so used to seeing all of the brokenness. Sometimes it's healthy to step back and say, oh, wow, all of those started with the faith of a itinerant Jewish preacher. And ironically, the many mistakes that you just mentioned that the church has participated in and still participates in in so many ways are when they get off course from that core thing mm. of of Jesus caring for the least mm-hmm. of these, of Jesus reaching out and preaching the gospel. And so usually when it becomes like deviated from that and like let's build the organization, let's build the name, let's yeah. build the brand— and you, you know, now it'd be that language, and maybe in years gone by, let's build the the cathedral, let's mm-hmm. build the influence of the yeah. church politically. Let's if that if that's the agenda, that's when the church gets derailed and starts doing heinous things mm-hmm. in the name of Christ. Yeah, but when they're on target, when on on the things that we talked about this Sunday, that's when the spirits like blesses it mm-hmm. and it grows and becomes exponential. Um, in some powerful ways. So yeah, one of the biggest arguments for why we engage with partnerships like that we talked about on Sunday is because compassion and the love of Christ demonstrated through the, the work of the church is the way he tends to grow mm, his, his influence in the world. It's yeah. beautiful. It, it really is, yeah. And, and I think you and I have probably both seen stories where that compassion has done dramatic things in the world around us. Um, me primarily in European context, you primarily in a um, African context. But yep. the, there's just yeah steps into to care. 
one of the things that 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 really grabbed me when I was in Romania. Now, Romania is interesting because Romania is a country that shifted from a communist background. So the poverty in 1989, when it comes out of communism, it's a, there's about as much poverty and starvation in Romania at that point as there is anywhere in the world. Like yeah. I mean, it's it's a disaster. And yet, like its entrance into the European Union, it's really turned a corner financially. Now it's interesting because you drive through the country, you still see like the old infrastructure. So yeah. you, you, you still have like the central, the pipes that heat everything centrally because the communist government knew if you want to control someone, if you can turn off their heat, they become suddenly very easy to control. Like, yeah. So everything's just run from these big central power stations. Huh. Um, no in-house boilers and stuff, just like piped in from three miles down the road. And so you can still wow. drive past all of this stuff and just observe it. And yet it's really shifted into, it's far more European than it is um, Soviet now. Hmm. And yet there's still remnants of the way that certain people are treated. So we, we started engaging with a group of people that were Roma gypsies uh, that had a camp out in the fields by some old abandoned railroad tracks uh, used to try and stay as removed as possible um, because the police force would use them for riot training. So when they wanted to train new police officers how to beat someone, they would just take them out and have them beat the gypsies. Um, Wild. And, and so when we got there the first time, uh, before we started really engaging with them, the first person I worked with there said, oh, well, they're bad. They steal stuff. They don't want to work. They're all these different things. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, you're learning. You just take information at face value. And then the second time I went, worked with a different person and started asking him about that narrative. He's like, no, like you don't realize the oppression. You don't realize like what's gone on. You don't realize the background story. Like these people, like every now and again, someone will just go out to the field, just burn their, their stuff down. They're, they'll build these like shanties. And someone will just go burn them down. Um, and so then like going and showing compassion to these people and, and actually just incredibly like the desire for them to, for you to see their house. Like the, the yeah. one goes like, please come see my house. I want to show you. I want you to know where I yeah. live. And, and you, I mean, this, this house is like, it's like some kind of wood structure that he's hung rugs around the walls. And he'll tell you, I literally lie at night. I can hear the rats climbing around the walls. I mean, like it's, it's not a house, yeah. um, but it's a home incredibly. Um, and it might be fit, physical poverty, but it might actually be rich in absolutely. relationship. Absolutely. And so, so, so then just like, working with these guys and sharing with them and, and caring for them, you actually get to see what happens when you show compassion to someone to whom no one has shown compassion. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So uh, maybe another nudge towards uh, trying to, in, you know, so if you're a podcast listener, you know, many of you, probably most of you are part of South's community, but maybe this is another nudge for those of you who are part of that. If you're not, if you're just a, a guest in the show, I don't know how you found us, but uh, maybe this is still a nudge to uh, to engage with an organization that's just doing a really good job in these different areas. Um, one of the things, so we talked a lot about this physical poverty thing, but one of the things that's interesting is is there's actually this relational poverty in the West, and maybe you actually know what I'm talking about, and you're and you're yeah, I struggle, I don't have deep friendships. 
uh, I haven't experienced that sort of joy of laughter in some of these different things or whatever, if one of the ways to combat relational poverty is to get in the game mm. and, and, and actually go and engage with people yes. who may struggle with physical poverty. Because strangely, a lot of those folks, um, they just get how they survive the physical poverty by having tight knit relationship mm. bonds. Well, not think, all of them, but yeah, I, I think yeah. actually w w when we talked about last Sunday, I think there was a story that I talked about sharing and it was a guy that was talking about being in Africa. Uh, I can't remember which nation it was, but going out to see uh, a village or visit a village. And they heard that he was coming with this other guest uh, and so they put on this event for them. Um, yeah. It was like a tea ceremony. Yeah, did you share? I know you I, shared I it with me. Shared, yeah, maybe, but I don't I, know if you shared it on the episode. I can't remember. I don't think I did. Tell it again. But, but anyway, just like the 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 coming away and the the realization of that must have cost them a lot financially. Yeah. Um. And and they don't have a lot. And the guy that was with him, the guide, saying, "Yeah, it was probably a twelfth of their." annual income the whole village yeah the whole annual. village is annual income and and he's like frustration and anger of like oh man we got to go pay him back uh, and he's like don't you dare like you suffer that kindness you feel like they have chosen to sacrifice that for you but they they again the re the relational poverty is non-existent in that village and they can give financially even when they don't have a lot because they are so relationally rich yeah um and i think that always amazed yeah. me going who needs who right yeah, that's that's the interesting thing, and I always found that going to Haiti was a similar experience. I w w those moments where you realize after church, no one's rushing off because they've got lunch plans, no, no one's rushing off because the football game's about to start. Like there's no like everyone just stays. They're just like yeah. they're just with each other. Um, it's different. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to share that came out from in your mind from Partner Sunday? Yeah, I, I, so I, I always think one of the things that Partner Sunday does is it, it allows us to to think about what what tugs on us, and the, and I don't think all of them have to tug on us. Like the, the, there's like it's there's got to be something though. Like the, there's like some things catch your heart and they pull you towards them. Yeah. Uh, and other things perhaps don't for you. And and actually everyone I know who runs some kind of compelling ministry, they're a little bit obnoxious about how that's the only thing that matters. I actually have a friend from back in my time in England. We haven't spoken for years, so I guess more of an acquaintance now. But but Ben ran a charity around um, around justice and, and trying to end sexual slavery. Like when you talk to Ben, if you weren't involved in that fight, he was kind of like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, this is the thing that matters. Yeah. Um, You're like headlong into like feeding people. And he's like, no, that doesn't count. Yeah. 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 Like you have to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure he wouldn't have said it that way if he'd have actually asked him to process it. But yeah, that's totally. the impression you get. So you see, like they've been given a grace for a specific task. And I think that's probably true of all of us, maybe not to the same degree, but there's something that you're, like even that fight he was involved in, I was so compelled by what he was sharing. I remember calling him right after we met uh, because he'd said, I'm going down to to work at a festival. I'm going to have a table there. Yeah. And like, he's just starting out, but he's the CEO of this charity. And I remember calling him and saying, Ben, like 
let me go for you. Like, surely you've got other stuff you could be doing. If I, by going and standing at a table, I mean, his first response, was, you're going to go and drive four hours and work a table for me? I'm like, absolutely. If it will help you do more about with what you're doing, um, I'm in. Like, just let me know. Yeah. Um, so, so, like, realizing that, one, when you get to say, oh, this has compelled me, and you get to go to a person and say, how can I help? What can I take off your plate so you can do what only you can do? Um, for a person who's like headlong into something they're passionate about, that's such a compelling offer. That's such a such a an encouraging, heartwarming offer. Yeah. So, so what? So I think I think like just if there's something that's captured your heart, like to reiterate what I, what you said, like yeah, go and get involved with it. Yeah, um, and so and maybe maybe this is a, a great segue to some stuff that's coming up. Um, maybe you're like, yes, my heart, I hear about these opportunities to serve and care for people and my heart is stirred, but where do I start and which one? And I want to do them all or it all overwhelms me. Like if you have any of those kinds of questions, maybe the first step is to ask God yeah. and say, what, what do you want to invite me into? Cause maybe my thing isn't going to be the same thing as my neighbors and someone else that I sit and worship next to in, in yeah. church. And so in light of that question, um, I'm excited because this next series that you're starting this coming Sunday is all about hearing and listening to God's voice. And so when when you run to these roadblocks in your faith and you're like, well, what's the next step? Maybe mm -hmm. the best way to do is just, you know, go straight to the source and say, your father, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And that whole thing can be ambiguous you're like how do i know if it's him and all that stuff well that's the next series that's coming yeah, out we won't get into too much yet yeah. we don't give away too much because but so learning to listen better as you say is going to be a compelling thing that's but this also, coming series like yeah. some of the in especially this situation we're talking about some of the invites in are so easy like this saturday graceful cafe curtis road i think it is in littleton is giving away breakfast for free you can go, whether you're single or a family, and you can just sit and eat breakfast. And while you're there, you'll watch Heather and Troy and the team and the way they engage. And something might just say to you, uh, this is the thing to get involved with. Or if you're close enough, just go there for lunch because that lunch will help underwrite Absolutely. the set, yeah. you know, you, some of these other things. You can yeah. come pray with Hannah um, for the work that she does with Afghan refugees. And something about that might just say, like all of them have just ways you can just get, you can dip in and get involved. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, for a society that struggles with, I've now got to do this for the next year. Um, there's ways to just dip your toe in and do it as a family. Like take your kids along. I, one of the things that I'm so glad I got to do when I was working in downtown Detroit is I would have, uh, Elena was pretty young at the time. Gigi was just born. Like Laura would bring them down um, for the day when we were working, and I loved the fact that suddenly my daughter's running around with a bunch of of little black kids, and, and she's now experiencing what it is to be the person that's different. Like, so she gets that yeah. whole, like, culture. She gets to see, and, and yet, for her, it became normal. Like, like this is the sort of thing we're involved in. Yep. Um, you, you, there, there is a beauty to taking your kids and having them get involved with with some of these projects. Totally. Uh, that I love. That's awesome. So there's Partner Sunday for you. Yeah. Anything else? No.
we'll see yeah. you next week uh, like for the subscribe first comment all the things we haven't said that in a while i said it like three weeks ago yeah is that not is that are we not pushing that enough no i don't know i don't Go know i just feel Apple. obligated to do it it's like you like like you're on a podcast or something you're supposed to do this like yeah i assumed you did it in your like intro thing whereas the music's going you're like hey if you are listening on apple I don't know. no i'm pretty bad at marketing <laughs> our stuff <laughs> And somehow, some of you are still out I there love listening. It. If it weird, takes off somehow, weird people, we'll just know it was because uh, that God was working. This is the podcast where we mock our listeners. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next week when we uh, start the new subject of listening to God's voice. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. One. See you guys. Bye bye. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.